Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. everyone it's Simon here from Sterling Coaching and welcome to another episode of the Business Success and Coffee podcast. Today I'm joined by Tom and Tom has just been telling me before the recording started of his varied life since leaving Poland, traveling to the US, being in and out of business, in and out of education and now for the last four years has had a business that markets um, online courses. Um, Tom, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I mean, you kind of gave a brief uh, description, but yeah, yeah, that's what happened. You know, when I was around 10, uh, we moved to the US from Poland. Uh, parents had a lot of part-time jobs. We were broke for most of that time. So mm-hmm. I wasn't super excited about getting into the business world from that end as an employee, you know? So it's like, as a kid, you're always thinking like, well, if my parents are working all the time and I don't see them, how can we have no money? that's a good question yeah yeah they, they didn't make any sense to me um the only thing they wanted me to do was finish some college degrees so i did okay i, I did three you know uh, wow okay one in music and two uh in marketing and after that i got into the music industry because you know i was young and i wanted to get that out of my system yeah so three years or four years into that, I felt like I want to get back into business. Because when I was 17, 16, 17, I had a record store owned with a couple of friends and we've done some small business stuff along the way, but I, I was ready to get back really into it. Like the music thing was kind of done. I did everything I wanted to in there. And then yeah. I thought, you know, I'm a pretty good salesperson, but I'm not great. Like, I don't know why things are working, right? I can persuade okay. people, but I don't know why it's happening. So my goal was to get hired by companies, big companies, yep. you know, retail, um, inside, outside sales. So I wanted to handle all um, and get training, hit the road, the street, the phone, whatever they wanted me to do. Yep. And as soon as I was about to hit my goal, I quit and moved to the next company. Okay. So Sounds the like thing I, yeah, the thing I wanted to do is figure out how to sell anything in any way where I don't care about it, right? And that's what with these companies, like I could care less about the product. So I knew if I had something of my own that I wanted to sell, it's going to be much better. It's going to amplify. If I can figure out how to sell something, I just completely don't care about. And I did. I did all the worst ones. I always recommend that. Do the worst things that you completely don't want to do because then you got to learn the skills, you know? Selling life insurance, selling warranties, selling different things. There's not much excitement. You got to actually figure out the process. It's different yeah. than if you have something like a Tesla and everyone wants it. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. or just something else, which is like, you're not really learning anything. But like one of the, the things I, I was selling, and this was a really good one because it's kind of a commodity. Um, we sold carpet cleaning and uniform cleaning for small businesses, right? So I would go into a supermarket yeah. And I would say, like, you know, our company, like, you know, it'll replace all your carpets and uniforms and stuff like that. And it was just a straight up B2B. Yep. 
you know, like very different companies are doing very transactional. There's nothing yeah. special about us. We're doing laundry. Yeah. Right. And that one sticks out because it taught me the most. Okay. You know, because that's when I dealt with bigger companies, budgets, different people had their own opinions. You know, sometimes I actually have to go in, like I went to a cable company, which is a big, you know, big deal like Comcast, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I had to sit down and speak with, I think, three people up the supply chain. Uh, another one, we went into a hospital. Yeah. So, again, a whole board I had to kind of talk about this nonsense yeah. with. That laundry. It, yeah, it's about, because, yeah. yeah, they had to real replace all their stuff. Um, another one would be a school district, which I learned it's all about bids and coming in the lowest. Yep. Right? So, yeah, yeah. something like that, it'll teach you a lot. You know, the other ones would be like life insurance where you pretty much sell air and dreams. Yeah. You know, so you have nothing tangible at all. Yeah. 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 That you're selling yeah. to them, Good you bad. know. And some of the stuff that I did was on the streets. So I would actually go and hit doors, oh. which is an experience of its own. You know, it's yeah. one thing being on the phone safely from your own house, which already people think is scary for some people yeah. right, getting on the phone. Try going into Brooklyn or Harlem and knocking on doors looking like a sales guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's the time. I mean, <laughs> listeners, you, you can't see uh, Tom on, on this, but, you know, Tom is not in his 60s and 70s. You know, he wasn't doing that in a time when people were used to selling, you know, encyclopedias and Kirby cleaners. So that must have been quite a difficult uh, period to do that in, going door it to was. door. It was. It's, it's not fun. And, I, you know, I was in New York and I never got the best location. So yeah, Bronx, Harlem, yeah. <laughs> down in Brooklyn, like they would send me to all the places where they just hated salespeople. Yeah, I bet. You know? But now when I sell anything of my own, there's like zero fear. Like what can you yeah. do to me over Zoom? Yeah. You know, like it's that thing, like I, I don't even think about what most people, what scares most people about sales rejection. Yeah. Uh, it's just a numbers game. Yeah. You know, or I mean, when you get better, it's kind of, you dictate the numbers game. Like I pretty much know if I want to close someone or not, and I'll play it accordingly. Cause I don't want to close everyone. You know, there's a lot of people I talk to who want to be clients and I don't want them to become clients. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think just, just to hold that point for a second, because I think you're saying something very important there, Tom, for the listeners, because you know, um, in everything I do, I talk about triage calls and the triage call for many of us is that call in which we determine if we want to work with them. And very often yeah. we're chasing sales because we think it's about them making a choice to work with us. And of course it is at some point, but for me, you've hit the nail on the head there because the first choice to make is do we want them as clients? And that's really, really important to get that right at the beginning of the process. Because if you get a prospect all the way down to the point where they're making their decision and you don't want to work with them at that point, it's too late because it's going to be disappointment. It's going to be upset. You're going to get a bad name. It's much easier to do the triage part of it, as I call it, at the beginning, as you've said there. You've got to make your decision whether you want to work with them. Definitely. So I think that's very important for the listeners. Yeah, I, I usually recommend when you're building up your online presence, you know, your yeah. persona, your everything, you know, you want to do two different things. You want to position yourself as an expert 
Yeah. So, you know, interviews, case studies, all the stuff that we know we should be doing content. But the job of the sales page is to turn as many of the wrong people away before they even get to talk to you. Yeah. So it's the, it's the opposite of what most people do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. You know. So I want, I want you to hold that thought for a moment because, you know, we're getting on to perhaps some of the tips here. So let's let's turn it back to what we're drinking today. So, you know, uh, I just got my first coffee of the day uh, and I'm just drinking at the moment. I've got my Sumatra coffee out here. Uh, I know you've got some water there. What do you normally drink in the the daytime? You gave me a very nice description of what you drink before we started here, which I was more interested in the first word that you used. Yeah, so I like how you, you know, had all these questions about coffee, like pre-interview questions. And I'm like, well, I owned a coffee shop before for about Uh, a year and a half. Yeah, but I don't drink coffee, so it just wasn't a fit. Yep. What I do drink is ceremonial green tea matcha in the morning. So I get my kilo of that every six months from Japan. It's not cheap. This is like top quality coffee if you you know get it that way. Yeah. But I drink it religiously every morning. Right. <laughs> every single and, and, morning. And First thing I wake up. You, you call it ceremonial. I've never heard anybody call green tea ceremonial. So just tell us a little bit more about what makes it so so special, not just the quality, but what else is there about it that makes it so special? Well, so when you look at matcha, you have different grades. Okay. Right? And the top grade is actually the ceremonial ones they use at the ceremonies for green tea, which when I was back back in New York... I went to one of these ceremonies I was invited to, and I seen the whole process of them, you know, making the tea and the whisking, the, like everything that they did, you know, like they had the yeah. way of um, putting the water in like three times and like to get the right temperature, like every little thing was a process, like a yeah. very process-based way of doing it. All the movements were right. Like, you know, so as my income grew, my, Hmm. matcha grade went up as well <laughs> yeah so but did you have aspirational grades that you wanted to get up to i did i yeah, did great. initially i drank the stuff that you just use in baking because it was the cheapest stuff right like that just the yeah. regular which i can't touch anymore like i can't even get through a cup of that no. and it moved up and up and you know there's some like even the higher grades which i've got now but like little ones this is like it's worth more than gold yeah yeah yeah. But the ceremonial matcha is like my daily, you know, that's the grade that I'm sticking to yeah, yeah. <laughs> at this point. I, I mean, most of us, you know, me included and listeners, I'm sure you're saying, you know, we've probably seen movies with this uh, sort of ceremonial tea thing and you just give probably. us great pictures. So to actually be there and see that, you know, must be uh, quite an experience because you can gain the, like you say, the, the, the whole stature of the ceremony just from watching it on a movie. So seeing it live must be incredible to actually see it and see the position of the movements and, and the way that they make the tea. That must be quite an experience. It, it was incredible, yeah. And I, I've seen that the first time in New York and then the second time when I actually lived in Japan for a bit. Wow. And I've seen yeah. not a professional, but just an older person that was raised as someone who would do that and yep. just do the tea that way for me um, a couple of times. And I was like, this is incredible. Like the precision... You know, yeah. it was just, it was science. Like if, if you think about the best business that you can think of, the, the processes yeah. that they go into it, you know, they can take their tips from what, you know, some of the Japanese 
daily routines are. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so, um, it's tweaked to perfection. Yeah. And it's passed down, isn't it? You know, generation to generation, you know, it's, it's taught by watching it, doing it, you know, and making sure it's getting done right as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah so if you think of what you just mentioned, um, there's a great documentary. You've probably seen it. It's called, uh, it's called Jiro Sushi. Oh no, I haven't seen that. No, no. one of the best no, no. documentaries ever. Um, and it shows an older sushi chef that perfected the craft, right? Yeah. And his son, the sushi chef's about 70 something years old. The son's yeah. about 50, has been making rice for the last 10 years to get that perfectly done before yeah. the father let him move on to cutting eggs. Wow. You gotta, you gotta think, right? Yeah, yeah. 50 something years old. You know, and, and they're asking him, like, when will you actually be able to cut the fish? And he's like, looks at his dad. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I think in, in our cultures, we we want everything now, don't we? You know, and, you know, I, I've done several articles on this about, you know, those get rich quick fixers. And very often, you know, if you sign up for something that is, you know, washboard abs in six days, you know, they, they don't work. And. You know, I'm, I'm going to come on to this a little bit later because I know you know your your company, your smart brand marketing, uh, perhaps will answer some of these some of these questions. Um, but I, I just want to go back to something that you you said earlier about selling something that you don't care about. You know, I've mm. been listening to yeah. a book by Captain Tom over here in the UK, who raised so many you know tens of millions for the NHS during the past uh, COVID at the age of a hundred. And it's interesting that, you know, when you read his book, he went out door to door selling. He sold encyclopedias. And many of us can't bear the thought of selling something that we don't care about. But I, I agree with you. I think it's such an important skill because you realized that if you can sell something you don't care about, when you really are passionate about it, you're just going to absolutely blow the top off of it what kind of tip would you give to the listeners perhaps some of those people who might even have their own product that they're not passionate about but they just know that it makes the numbers up what what tip would you give to them of how they can overcome any obstacles of selling something that they don't care about you've got to have a script you know you you keep a b testing that script until it works okay but here's a thing that i've also learned um, by being in some of these companies. We usually had two different types of sales, right? And I'll go back to the uniform ones because that was the most commodity type of thing that you can imagine. Yeah, sure. You can go into a little diner mm -hmm. and get your $80 per month deal. Or like I mentioned, you can go into your cable company, yeah. hospital, and get the five, six, eight thousand dollar per month deal. And most of the salespeople who failed kept on going into all these cable companies and did not go into the little diners. Uh -huh. And the little thing I learned from that, and one of my managers, who was actually a very smart guy, said, The diners are your bread and butter. Yeah. The hospitals are your whales you will die chasing that whale. Yeah. And I find the same type of thing with a lot of people struggling in sales. 
they keep chasing whales, they haven't figured out their bread and butter. Yeah. What's the boring, smaller thing I can sell now with decent margins yeah. to actually be in business? Okay. Good tip. Good tip. Love that. So thinking about your, your own business, um, what's been the latest or most significant thing that you've worked on in your own business? So the one thing that we've really been focusing on is, you know, we've done smaller sales, moved up to the bigger sales, and most of our sales now are average to big, right? Yeah. But what we've really noticed is that, yeah, we can make quite a bit of money, but we'll never gain that freedom back and, and what we want when we have to trade our time for it, right? Okay. So we're looking more at the fulfillment end of it. Yep. So we are now kind of transitioning back because I've had businesses kind of like in those spaces where we can productize and put out things. Um, we're thinking about an app right now that we're working on where all we have to do is the marketing, get recurring income and scale. And the fulfillment is either done by a completely different team. So basically you never sell anything that you have to fulfill. Which is a challenge, yeah. or it's yeah. just a product that does all the fulfillment for itself, right? Yeah. So that's been the biggest move for us. Kind of last year, it was creating a bankroll where we can relax. Yeah, you know, and this is the same thing: get enough bread and butter, you can start chasing these whales. Yeah, you know, where most people they don't want to put in the work, and they only want this productized service or this something else which is not easy to get off the ground sometimes. Well, yeah, and you're on, a, you're on a really sort of thin foundation, aren't you? If you haven't got those bread and butter clients, if you haven't got that cash reserve in there, you're, you're always going to be on a weak footing, aren't you, every time? Yeah, even with just finding clients. Yeah. You know, because now, like, we've had, I think, seven or eight prospects contact us just last week, and I found only one of them to be someone I would want to work with. Yeah. But we on paper could use two, you know? So instead of driving them all in, I just said no to seven anyways. I know I'll have more prospects this week. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. Good because we have the footing, right? We have enough money where we don't actually have to do anything for a year and a half, at least in the business. Like there's nothing. We, we actually don't have to do anything whatsoever. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's interesting you say that because, you know, I've, I've read lots of books and I encourage all my clients to build a minimum of a three-month runway and potentially six-month runway. But you've got a year and a half. That was our goal last year, yeah. Wow. We, we made sure we, we hit it super hard. Like, we didn't know how COVID was going to affect us. Yeah. So where everyone kind of was getting confused and coasting because the governments were helping, we tripled down. Yeah. You know, and, and it was pretty wild. Like I couldn't catch my breath until about December. And then even this first <laughs> quarter was, I was like, you know what? We have so many good clients coming in in the first quarter. It would be just a shame because it's the right clients for us. Yeah. You know, or I was like, I told the team, like, you got to realize every month that we're working on this now, it's tough. We're yeah. creating two extra months for each month where we don't have to work. Amazing. And we can just yeah. focus on our own stuff. Yeah. So it, it, you know, sometimes you do need to do the hard things first 
yeah. to then slow down so that you can speed up again. Yeah. And it's that, it's that cycle, isn't it? I think Salesforce have a cycle where they do six weeks where they're, they're full out, but then they take two weeks to rest, review, yeah. you know, re-energize, and then they go off for another six weeks. And I think you know, very often, you know, many of the listeners will probably, and I've done this you know, with my clients and I've done it myself, go on a, a three-month cycle of just burnout. And then you get to the end of the three months and then off you go again. You do need just to take that, that moment and re-energize, don't you recharge? Oh yeah. Last year, I think we went almost nine months nonstop and I would not recommend that ever again no. for anyone. I mean, it was, it was just brutal. Like at the end in, in December, I, I wasn't sure what was going on anymore. Like I had three <laughs> weeks off and I, I just didn't know where I was. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, clients would still message and I just, you know, told my assistant, like you just handle this. I don't want to hear anything for three weeks yeah. at all. Yeah. It was, it was just too much, but yeah. you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do if you have yeah. a plan. So if you've changed, and it's interesting, you said about the, you know, never selling anything that you fulfill yourself uh, or try not to, because I think for 99.9% of the listeners to this podcast, will be doing just that. You know, and I count myself in one of those, you know, so I'm yeah. okay. I've got other people who are doing the sales for me as well. Other people that are putting messages out there, but ultimately I'm still the person that's doing the sales process and I'm fulfilling the coaching programming it's interesting when you said that you took me right back to the very first coach that i ever had and this was back in 1994 and i went to a network meeting and i met this great guy and i gelled with him because you know he did all the hobbies that i wanted to do he was into <laughs> helicopters i was just starting to learn to fly as well and i thought what a great guy this is and he was selling business coaching mm. and I said, I, I, I want to sign up for business coaching. I've just split up for my business partner. I need some way to help me with this. And he said, great. We'll get it in the diary. Set it up in the diary. Uh, he came. He converted me. I signed the agreement. And then he said, great. So what we'll do is we'll sign you a coach and we'll get the coach to come out. And I was like, whoa, well, hold on a minute. I thought you were going to be my coach. He said, oh, no, I just do the sales. Mm. Uh, <laughs> And it was interesting that, you know, um, and, and the coach was great, Stuart, the coach that I had, but he was a completely different character. And I realized, you know, if Stuart had been part of a sales process, he never would have got any clients because he was very meticulous, very process driven. Uh, but he wasn't a salesperson. He wasn't a passionate person at the same level. So it, when you said that, it reminded me that my first ever experience of buying coaching was buying from somebody who wasn't the coach, ironically yeah. enough. Yeah, but it worked. Well, that's how he could build a business, you know, yeah. otherwise you just built yourself a job. It could be a glamorous job, could be a very nice lifestyle, but you still just got a job. Yeah. And, and we often do need to get in that position first, you know, because even if you want to productize, you got to figure out the systems yourself often, yeah. you know, but at some point, you know, it's, it's a good challenge to try to kind of do with yourself like can i actually run a business for six months where i don't sell anything i have to touch maybe actually build a real yeah. business yeah you know? that's a great question yeah yeah and i'm sure that's one that the listeners are really going to struggle with because it's it's one of those things where you know just hearing you say it just completely muddled my head and i'm thinking how can i do that how can i have six months where i sell something that i don't touch and and i suppose this leads me on to finding more about how the listeners can get more of tips, content, 
find out more about your business. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the, the business itself and how the listeners can find out more about how you can help them. Right. So most of my tips I give freely in the newsletter. Okay. You know, I don't actually post much on social media because there's not much um, of the substance I find there, you know, you have to keep posting and it kind of just goes away immediately. Uh, You know, that's not kind of, that's not the type of business I want to run. So most of the stuff comes out in my newsletter. Like I share a lot of really good stuff in there. That's on smartbrandmarketing.com. You can just click uh, free gifts and, you know, I'll sign you up. But my business is very simple. You know, I'm the guy you call when your online course is not selling. Right. Very simple. And we often find people in three different buckets that come to us. The first one, they're either about to uh, create a course or try to validate it. You know, they've worked for two years and you know, they haven't sold anything. They need to validate this and get the first sales in. Yeah. Hopefully they haven't built the course yet because often the validation can show that what you think people want is not what actually people want. And then you yeah. have a marketing strategy, but the course is all wrong. Okay. And one easy example is we had a person try to teach um, how to get over fear of public speaking Mm-hmm. to realize nobody cares about that that actually wants to buy a course they want to know how to persuade okay yep. so we sure. have to shift to a persuasion based course from this fear thing which became yep. a bonus at the end yeah the second bucket is someone built a course and they got lucky with the traffic that they were getting and now they're at five figures but plateauing and this is a very common thing. If you enter a niche that's just hungry of buyers, and there's there's a lot of them, you know, especially ones with external motivation. For example, if you want to get a life insurance job in America, you often need to pass a series six exam. Yep. So if I help you pass the series six exam. There's a clear value transformation there. And the motivation is external. The company says, well, if you don't pass this thing, you don't get a job, right? Yep. So often in niches like that, people will just start posting on YouTube and get to high five figures very quickly. Yeah. And then they start plateauing. They'll say like, hey, Tom, now I'm posting 10 videos per week and nothing's happening. I was like, well, that's, you kind of exhausted that channel. But since they don't understand how the sale is made, because once again, they sold something that's super easy. Yeah, they can't yeah. reverse engineer this and replicate it anywhere else. They'll create Facebook ads or YouTube ads, and it's not working anymore because they haven't figured out how to sell it. Yeah. And the last one is a scaling issue. Going from low six figures to seven six figures, it's, it's a whole systems and marketing you know approach which <laughs> just has changed. So three buckets: one beginners, one the lucky ones, and then sort of like the the next that level up business yeah yeah so the the website that the listeners can go to to get tips about how to um and i'm sure a lot of what you're telling us here is transferable not just to marketing on online course but marketing generally and sales generally um just give us the website address again so smartbrandmarketing.com 
yep. is where you can sign up for the newsletter. That's where I give all types of tips, not just online course. Like there is a lot of stuff I'm dealing with with a service business, and you know I have some right. e-commerce stuff that yeah. So yeah, I, I tell people stuff which really you know a lot of kind of mindset things. I don't like going into any woo, but I explain to them you know like there's always a way to overcome obstacles, and I put it in different ways because you know different people learn from different things. Great. But the course one, it's wemarketonlinecourses.com. And that's a very strict, you know, if you're trying to sell a course, you'll get on that sales page and they'll quickly either kick you off because there's a lot there to try to get you to leave. Yeah. Unless you're the right person, then we kind of move on. So yeah. it's uh, that's just really for the business. It, it runs, the, that, okay. that page runs the business. But smart brand marketing is the kind of like umbrella that yeah. everything falls under. And that's Great. where I... Just try to help people like, get through the same stuff I've been getting through. Yeah, and you know, obviously we uh, we we connected on social media initially, and you know, one of the things for me, you know, I took part in a, a Tony Robbins and Dean Graziochi challenge last year, and I signed up for their online course platform, Mastermind.com, mm-hmm. and you get all the help to build your course. So it's it's interesting the way that you've given it to the listeners. They tell you to find the need they tell you how to build the course but then your course sits there as many people's did mine included uh for 12 months and nobody buys it because you get no help in actually selling the course and i've got coaches that i work with in my group and i'm sure there's people listening to this that have done just that they've it's a bit like the field of dreams film you know i've built it oh yeah and they'll come (laughs) well they don't do they you might get lucky I love that bucket in the middle. Mm-hmm. You might get lucky because people actually need it and they'll come, but then that's it, isn't it? You know, you saturate that that need. What would you say to people who are perhaps worried about the platform they're on? You know, is you know, is the methodology that you give to people applicable to all different types of platforms? You know, what would what help would you give people think perhaps it's not it's not the selling, it's the platform I'm on? What would you say to those kind of people? Yeah, I, I always find this uh, question funny, right? It's like, I can tell someone the way to learn copywriting is to read one or two basic books and then spend five years copywriting for clients. And the first question I get, which book should I read? Mm. They, they all skip over this five-year process, all of them. Right? Yeah, yeah. And with online courses, they it, it's, it's like asking which hosting company for my website will help me run my business? None. Yeah. All these platforms do is they host the content of your online course. It's a hosting company. It's their glorified hosting companies. They can barely do the hosting part properly. They're not going to help you with the market. (laughs) Right. But the course platform doesn't matter. The only thing you should think of when you're starting out, am I, going to turn this into my own business and then I need a course platform or will I go on a marketplace? Yep. Okay. You know, like Udemy, Skillshare, Link, you know, I'll probably devalue my knowledge a lot. I might get quick money. I will not run a business because they own all my students. They own everything. They can take away reviews. They can do whatever they want with my business. I'm completely out of control. But you have those two decisions you can make initially. Will I take the easy way out that's going to be very painful later on. And that with all the Udemy people that come to me, they're actually kind of successful. How do I get off? 
Yeah. It's a very painful process. Or you do the hard things and you actually set things up yourself, start selling, and maybe do a mini version on Udemy to like kind of get the leads in. Yeah. But that's the initial question you have for yourself. Am I taking yeah. the easy way out or am I doing the the right yeah. way, which is a bit more painful? And we're straight back to the green tea, aren't we? Yeah. And, yeah. and, the, su- <laughs> and the sushi chef. You know, do I do I do it the quick way um, or do I spend those 50 years just preparing rice? So one day I hope that I can get onto the fish. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the one piece of advice I'll give to, um, I know most people won't listen, which is fine. Waste your time. Instead of creating a course first, try to run the same content as maybe a live bootcamp a few times. Okay. Yeah. Right. You're not the first person to mention that to me, actually. Yeah. That's a good tip. Yeah. Well, the thing that, you know, and I, we've done a couple of really successful you with people that actually listened and they yeah. sold them out and got great courses, great reviews, tested everything. Like these boot camps gave them everything they need for the further marketing. Yeah. But what you do is basically you give a broad transformation initially. Right. And then when you're validating and matching the audience to your positioning, that kind yeah. of can move a little bit of what you will be teaching in this bootcamp. Don't make okay. it very long, maybe four sessions, one hour each, four yeah. weeks. Yep. And the key component here is at the end of each session, you do a little Q&A. You tell people what you think they want to learn next. Yep. And then you ask them what they actually want to learn and help them create mm. the curriculum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then when you're done, now you know you have one, a validated marketing technique for this because you got people in. Two, you've got testimonials, case studies. You know what people want to learn. So either do one or two more iterations of this to get it perfectly dialed in. And I find a lot of people do. Or you just put it all in and have an evergreen course that will sell because you sold it once. Yeah, And and I think, you know, I know you said you know, some people probably won't listen to that, but I think that's really important because what Tom has just shared there, listeners, is finding out what people want to learn next. And I think I can't think of any course that I've been on, any kind of short course, long course, where people have said, okay, what do you want to learn next week? You know, what's important? Because as you say, you're building it to meet the needs of the people. You know, why on earth would I go to a chiropractor to have my back fixed um, if they just treat something completely different? You know, I'm going to have my back fixed. Please fix my back. People go on the course, then they go off on all these different modules that they think are going to help, but don't. So ask what people want next. I think that's really important. So you've given us a couple of great tips. there. You're giving us some places where we can go. Listeners, go and get Tom's newsletter. If you could give people, and you've given us way so much value, Tom, I really do appreciate it. If you could give people something that they could do in the next couple of days, something they could take away where you know it would make a difference to them, what tip or lesson would you give the listeners to take away? You know, what I found for myself is if I just work on one difficult thing around my business daily, it just compounds and everything kind of works out. You know, it, it's more about just consistency. Pick the one hard thing. You know, might, you might have to break it into chunks, like, you know, depending on where you want to get to. 
but just make sure you work on that a bit. Have 15, yeah. 20, 30 minutes, you know, and if you're in the initial stages. Yeah. And what I find most of the time when someone says, I have business problems, like, no, you don't. You have a sales problem. Mm. Make sure you put at least an hour away for yourself and you should have other team members doing the same thing and do nothing but sales and marketing for that hour every single day. Because most of the problems all come down to I don't have enough money to solve my problems. I have a sales issue, marketing issue. Yeah. But yet I don't want to sell. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely critical. You know, in, in Mike Michalowicz's book, Fix This Next, he talks about the business hierarchy of needs and the bottom level is sales. And most people can't understand why sales is at the bottom and profit is the next level up because profit creates stability. Sales create cash and you can't build a business and you're absolutely right, Tom, you can't build anything without the sales. So listeners, you know, work on that one thing, but also I think, that to me is a nugget to take away from from that share. There is to have that time set aside to do sales, do sales and marketing consistently. I think that's really 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 important. And perhaps people aren't. Perhaps people think I'm doing okay. I've just doubled the size of my business in the worst twelve months the world has ever had. Why do I need to bother with sales? Well, I've been, in, I've been in business for over thirty years, and I can show you you need to do what Thomas just said there: sales every day. Yeah, and and the one thing uh, I'll share too is if you have problems that can be solved with money and you have the money, you don't have problems. Correct, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And with leads, you know, even when we're doing completely amazing, we're completely booked, and this happens a lot with us, we still get on calls with prospects. And a lot of them get upset because we can't take them on, which is fine. And they'll ask me, why in the world are you talking with me if you cannot take me on? Because I would rather have the ability to pick and choose at any moment than ever have to look and kind of back for clients again. Yep. Plus, I don't like to get uh, rusty. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I will still get on, you know, on calls. And- yeah. And, and that's, yeah, yeah you, you've, you've made me laugh there because, you know, yeah, I work with a lot of coaches and coach a lot of coaches. And one of the biggest problems they have is they lose three or four clients for whatever reasons, you know, and the pandemic has, has hit people with that. And then they go back to their, their sales process of having sales appointments and their presentations. And they are so rusty. They, because they haven't been doing them and they haven't been practicing them, it's a huge, almost rock face to climb up it's not even a you know a, a tall hill it's a real sheer rock face that they're getting straight onto to try and get those sales back in because they're so rusty aren't they there's nothing worse than an expert who hasn't practiced his craft in years yeah yeah and again that yeah. goes back to everything you said there about you know do you want the quick fix or do you want the five years to get there it's keeping it going isn't it you, you got to keep you know um practicing your craft and if sales and marketing are the backbone and they always are the backbone of a company yeah. That's not something you want to kind of come in and out of every four or five months because you will feel like, oh yeah, I haven't been on this bike for a while. It's, yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, I, I, as you say that there, and it's it's amazing. I just got a picture. Uh, you know, we've got a, a tennis player. We don't do many good tennis players in, in the UK, but we've got Andy Murray. And it's you know whoever it is, if you you look at a great tennis player and they win their Grand Slam, they win Wimbledon. Can you imagine if they said? you know what i'm going to stop practicing because i'm at the top of my game 
I'm not going to yeah. practice my backhand. What I'm yeah, going to do is well. I'm going to watch a load of YouTube videos and I'm just going to keep my knowledge up of what's going off in the market. I'm going to see what the competitors are doing and I, but I'm just going to put my racket down and I'm not going to do any practicing. It just wouldn't work, would it? They wouldn't dream of it. So why would we do it in our business? Well, think about a dentist. Would you go to a dentist who just <laughs> came back <laughs> after three years because now he's looking for clients again. Like, okay, you want to be the first one on the seat? I'll be like, no, definitely not. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. If he's been lecturing for three years and never put his hand in a mouth, yeah, would you want to go back? Yeah, you wouldn't, would you? As, he's, yeah. so as he quivers with thing. a needle with the syringes, he injects <laughs> it into your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for leaving us with that great picture. <laughs> so final question then, Tom, and thanks, you know, you've shared so, so much here, and I know listeners are going to take so much value. If you were going to have your next green tea, and this is a slightly different question to what was on the list, so I'm going to throw this one at you a little bit. If you're going to have it anywhere in the world, in a dream location, where would it be? Where I am now. Okay, so tell the listeners where you are now. Okay, so I have slow traveled the world already. Like I lived in almost any country I wanted to, any city I wanted to. And at this moment, I'm in Krabi, overlooking the ocean in thailand from my condo oh okay and there's really no better view than this anywhere else in the world fantastic so i would be exactly where i am now great one thing to just just complete the picture for the listeners then is it sunrise sunset or midday i do it at sunrise, but the sunsets are beautiful. The, the sky turns kind of this reddish color, and it looks like the Kong Island from those movies. It's it's oh, out yeah. of this world. It's out of this world. Wow. Yeah. But I, I I like it in the morning because I got to get my kick of the tea, you know, first thing. But at night, we'll open up all the blinds and everything in the living room because we have full windows, right? And yep. just see the entire ocean. It's it's out of this world. Like I'll send wow. pictures to people, and they'll be like what the like how are you doing this you know <laughs> oh well you you've, you've created a, a beautiful picture and uh, yeah uh, I, I always ask about sunrise sunset because i think that always puts a better picture of particularly when you talk about the ocean oceans or mountains for me you've got to decide what time of day you want to see them because they're so striking at those yeah, extremes yeah. of the day so uh, yeah so there you go so we we know how to connect with you you've given us some great lessons and some great tips uh listeners Go out there, connect with Tom, get that newsletter off that website, uh, smartbrandmarketing.com. Have I got that? You right got it. Yep, yep, perfect. Go out there, sign up, get those tips, and then move forward and uh, yeah, get that help. So many of you I know listening to this are struggling with your online courses that you've you've gone through the process that I've gone through where you know I've made it and nobody's coming. How can we do something better? Well, what we need to do is speak to Tom. Absolutely. So pleased I got you on the podcast, Tom. Thank you very much for giving up your time. And thank you very much for sharing so much. You've given us, I've run out of post-it notes. I've had to write three post-it notes of comments <laughs> to try and find something up. I've even had to write 1030 uh, nugget because you said something <laughs> and I thought I didn't get it down quick enough. So I'm going to have to go back and watch the recording to get that. Thank you very much for being a guest on today's podcast. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a great conversation. I liked it. And of course, listeners, you know, this is part of my mission to help business owners, coaches and consultants around the world become more aware 
Tom's given us some great things to be aware of. Uh, some great examples of processes from making tea, working hard, selling something. I mean, who knew we'd find out about selling something that you don't care about? That is the complete opposite of what many of us will be probably doing at the moment, even thinking about doing. Uh, and of course, we've had some great education, some great tips. And we've talked about what we drink during the day as well. And Tom's left us with a beautiful image there of looking out over the ocean in Thailand at... Uh, Sun, sunrise or sunset and seeing that red sky at sunset uh thank you for being a guest on the podcast tom and thank you listeners for listening to it and i look forward to having you on the next podcast bye for now